The following is not intended for hatchlings. The opinions expressed by the paleontologists here do not reflect the views of their employers. Now, kick back and go to a land before history. A land before cable TV. A land before plumbing. That's right, a land before primal. Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. Dude Two, Joe. Joe. What's up, Joe? How you doing? Not bad. You know, I've been, I've been keeping myself occupied with movies. I've been, I feel like I've been more active on Letterboxd lately. I've noticed. I've noticed. Um, and, and part of that is just due to the nature of, like, you know, just a lot of things. But I've been trying to rewatch all the Pixar movies. And the day we're recording this, I, I just finished up. You finished up what? I finished Pete Doctor's Up. What what did, what did, what did he do? <laughs> Your face. <laughs> if only people could see just, like, the expression. Oh. It, I'm sorry. It was an e- it's an easy... You set it up. It was an easy hit. I had to go for it because, you know, I'm simple like that. <laughs> but I know what you meant. Ooh. God, stop doing noises! It scares me! <laughs> <laughs> well... Up, it, it's still still a tearjerker at at those pivotal moments. Like honestly, like, like those fifteen first fifteen minutes. Obviously, you know they they really they really hit hard. Oh my god, they do. Yeah, it, it it's kind of also just a weird, crazy movie because it's like okay, you have the main character is an old man and Carl Fredrickson. Carl Fredrickson is played by Ed Asner, and. You have, like, a kid who's, like, a Boy Scout, and then you have, like, they're in, a, like, a Lost World setting. Christopher Plummer is in it. There's, like, a bunch of talking <laughs> dogs. Like, if you put, if you had never seen Up, okay, and you, and you didn't know Pixar was involved. And someone was trying to explain it to you. And someone was trying to explain it to you and, like, try to pitch this movie. You'd say, no, we're not doing this movie. But it ends <laughs> up being one of their, one of their, uh, one of their crown jewels at Pixar. Really, um, really great stuff. I actually remember when it came out, because I didn't see it in theaters, but I remember when it came out on Blu-ray and I was working at the Disney store at the time. And so the cop, the Blu-ray copy that I have is the same copy that I got. Because sometimes, you know, you interchange depending on new copies of Blu-rays and stuff. At least I do. Um, but I, that's one I've kept since I got it at the Disney store. And uh, I thought I got it at a discount, but the discount... I did, I te- well, I did get it at a discount, but um, the discount was only like five percent or something they didn't really give you much of a discount on it it was our it was kind of expensive but it was i'm happy to own it can i ask what sales tax is in ohio i don't remember because i'm like (laughs) at least give 10 percent so it could at least somewhat cover the sales tax 
Well, the store's closed now, so... <laughs> whatever. It's, whatever. It, they, they, they closed down literally the year I worked there, so... <laughs> Man. Which, is, which was sad, too, because I really liked that store. And it was, it was funny, too, because like, there was an FYE and a Disney store right next to each other. So, like, that, that section was, like, heaven for, for people like us. Just, you know, on one hand, you can go into the FYE and check out all types of movies and CDs, posters, and all that kind of, like, pop culture stuff. Then you just go across, across the way and check out the Disney store. Now, it's a Forever 21. Like, both spots, this is one store, and it's a Forever 21. And every time I walk past it, I look at the back, and I see the back door, and I'm like, I used to go back there. And I used to... There was literally a day, like, I think, I, I, I don't know why I'm going off talking about my, an old job, but there was literally, I think, one of the days I worked, it was Black Friday, and I was stuck on a ladder, because everyone kept coming back and asking me to get things, so I had to, like, so I had, so every time I went down the ladder, someone was like, hey, can you grab that? And I just said, okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, then, and then it's just, like, I'm trying to, like, organize stuff, and then I keep having people come back, like, hey, you know your mom's back, your, your mom's here to, like, come get you, because, you know, and I'm like, I'm not done, hold on a second. <laughs> you guys told me to do this, I'm trying to finish it. So, that was, I got paid really well for that, I'll say that, just by being on that ladder for, like, an hour or something. That's cool. Good, good old memories of the Disney store working there i still have my name tag and stuff and then going off the theme of exploration and and weird things i watched a very weird very rare movie this week oh no <laughs> <laughs> and uh this movie is is called I'm, I'm gonna talk about it in one of our future episodes a little bit more in depth just because of its connections but it won't be an episode, for the love of God. I it hope will it's not, not be an episode. An episode <laughs> no. no, the way you've described it, no, sir. No one wants to see this. <laughs> and that that movie is 1930s, highly controversial, but also highly successful. Ingagi. Uh, well, no. <laughs> we can we move on now. <laughs> I don't want to hear more about all, it. All I will say, all you need to know, it's a movie from the 30s, 1930, as I said. It was banned. By the Federal Trade Commission of the United States. It's one of the few movies to actually, you know, be banned. And a lot of it is... Be uh, there's a lot of just very racist stuff that goes on in the movie. And they they, want, they claim that a lot of this stuff happened. But actually, it turns out, you know, some of it was just a lot of trickery. They stole footage from other, like, African, you know, um, safari expeditions and whatnot and other films that are now lost, but the only remaining evidence of those movies is this film. So it's kind of a weird, a weird irony. Um, and the, the biggest thing with the movie is that there's gorillas and there's human relationships. And that's all I'm going to talk about with that because <laughs> I, Think I of it. don't, yeah. Think of it like, uh, like the Blair Witch Project, but a lot more, um, yeah. <laughs> a lot more uh-huh there's things in there yeah and I'll, I'll say this much like it was a movie i've been curious to see for such a long time um partly because my favorite movie of all time is king kong and this was right you know in some ways like you know kind of helped influence king kong getting made because they were like hey this gorilla movie made four million dollars in the great depression era let's make our own gorilla movie you know and it it's also just a case like I'm I'm very much a 
proponent of like film preservation and like just rediscovering like lost films. Like people assumed this was a lost film for the longest time, and then the only things that existed of it were the soundtrack and some of the narration and music. But it's important to preserve stuff like this, even if it is highly offensive. Historical reasons. For historical, historical reasons. reasons, absolutely. So I will talk probably be talking about that one in the near future, not as its own episode, but in relation to other films, because in a weird way, it's a highly influential movie, even though you've never heard of it. I mean, I feel like that's... Weirdly enough, I always feel like that's a lot of movies. Like, when you think of... You know, movies that inspired like Blade Runner. Like I probably I never heard of like Metropolis until after watching Blade Runner. Some movies that Metropolis inspired. Like more filmic people will obviously know what Metropolis is, but um, with uh, with relation to uh, a lot of the more popular modern stuff, like you don't really think of it. So, but that one like is for sure something. Like I had never even heard of it until you made a stink about it. Uh, a while ago because it was getting a blu-ray and i'm like oh okay that's kind of cool then you explain it to me and i'm like oh no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but but i'm just gonna say say like blu-rays from from kino and uh, kino's good kino's great and they have there's two really really excellent commentary tracks one by kelly robinson who talks about kind of this movie's relationship with the history of like gorilla movies and talks about a lot about Charlie Gamora, who is a very famous, like, if you're into, like, genre films and guerrilla movies, played a lot of, like, guerrilla suit things, and helped with the design of the Martians, if I'm not mistaken, for the 1950s War of the Worlds. Um, so, important his Hollywood figure. And uh, the commentary by Brett Wood, which talks about a lot of the legal shenanigans of this movie and just a lot of the, the, the heavy controversies and how it sort of actually, in a weird way, this 90-year-old almost lost movie connects with uh, 2020 and 2021. So there's that. Cool. All right. Um, moving on. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Richard really, like, Richard's probably going to ask me after the episode, please delete all of that, Joey. Please just, just <laughs> We'll see what happens. We'll see. I might not. <laughs> might is the key word. <laughs> we'll see how I feel when I listen back to this. Um, no, I'm all right. Uh, just I've just been trying to, you know, just relax. You know, again, pandemic times. It's it's up and down. We're still in it. Um, like you, I've been. I've been. I feel like I've been more active on Letterboxd. Actually, I've been trying to catch up both on a bunch of like VOD movies that came out last year that I just I wanted to see, but I just didn't get around to seeing. So I watched, like, uh, Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom on Netflix, which was really good. I watched Dreamland, which is that uh, that Great Depression Margot Robbie movie, which it was all right. You know, it, it was better than I expected, but it was probably better than it should have been, given, like, how the story was told or whatever. But it was all right. And I like Margot Robbie, so I always, she was great in it, so I always enjoy her. Um, the big one, though... Uh, I've also been trying to watch some older movies that I either haven't seen, you know, typical pandemic activities. Um, <laughs> and I don't know how I want to start this because I feel like, like, it's funny cause you just talked about something that is genuinely like kind of weird. Um, this is more like opinionated, like controversy. Like people might hear me say this and be like, What? did he just say i might i might we might lose some fans and that's on me so i apologize 
Um, I watched Rocky for the very first time ever. And? <laughs> well, um... <laughs> no, okay, no. I did like it. I did like it. Um, I will say I just don't think I'm the demographic for something like Rocky because I don't really like sports dramas. I've, I've talked about... I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on here, haven't I? That I don't like sports dramas. I think I feel like I feel like we have. Yeah. At, at some point, yeah. You know who would know? A- Allison would probably remember. Allison or maybe maybe Fian. I mean, yeah. If if you guys know, just let me know. Just send me a message. Like, yes, you did. And I'll be like, okay, cool, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm not giggling, I talk about how I don't like sports dramas. Obviously. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Just so many, so many giggles right there for you. No, I th- I thought it was good. I just I don't know. I wasn't like as engaged with it as say most people. Uh, I don't know. It was it was it was good, but it just wasn't like, oh my god. Like you know, I hear so many people like talk about oh Rocky's like the greatest thing ever, but I don't know. It's just it's weird. I do I did like. The fact that, like, even though the movie doesn't really have, like, a, like I guess you could say, like, a structured narrative, like you see most sports dramas these days that are kind of inspired by Rocky, I was engaged with it. You know, like, granted, like, half the time it's, like, Rocky doing something in his life, training montage. Rocky doing something in his life, training montage, boxing, credits, and that's it. Um, <laughs> and... Like, typically any other movie, if it wasn't, like, well-made or if I didn't care enough, I probably would have just been bored and just hated it. But I wasn't bored and I enjoyed what I was seeing. I did have some weird, like, takeaways. Like, for one, I liked the Adrian-Rocky relationship, but how they got to that point was awful. (laughs) It's a little weird. (laughs) It's, It's just the whole time, you know... Rocky, like, all Rocky did was talk about himself, which that's kind of what he, I mean, admittedly, like, he's not as as selfish the entire time, I think, but at the beginning, he was definitely like, you know, I got the scars, this scar right here, Adrian, you know, I got it when I was boxing, I won the fight, you should have been there, <laughs> and she's just like, uh-huh, cool, sure, yeah, <laughs> like, like, he never really asked her about, like, it was very one-sided, and then, like, they go back to his house and like she's like saying no to him consistently and they play it off like it's just because she's shy that she doesn't want to go up to his house but like maybe she just genuinely didn't want to because the whole freaking date was forced on her to begin with by her brother i mean i can't i can't say that that level of shyness that she has in the movie isn't true because i'm a very shy person and i have been that shy but the way that they portray it makes it seem unrealistic. <laughs> you you really have me wanting to rewatch Rocky now because it's been it's been a not that long, but it's been a little bit since I've watched the the first movie. I mean, my main my main reasoning for it was a curiosity and b like kind of homework because of a future episode. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But um, no, I I definitely liked it. I just don't think I liked it near as much as most other people like it was funny i was just mentioning to you uh before we started how i went on letterbox to post my review and i see like five stars five stars five stars five stars four stars four and a half stars and i'm like three and a half stars huh? don't hurt me 
Dude, I, I've seen somebody give Toy Story 4 two stars and say, this is my highest rated of the Toy Story movies, so don't feel, <laughs> don't feel bad. Oh, well, you know, I guess. And I'm sure that person, whoever gave Toy Story 4 two stars, is a nice person. I'm just... I'm sure they're fine dumb. people. <laughs> they're fine people. But, no, I, I was definitely... I'm, I'm curious to a degree what the, the rest of the series is like, but... We'll see what happens. We'll see if I finish the series or not. Yeah, Rocky for me, it's always it's been present basically my whole whole life because my as I've said to you before, my uncle is the biggest Rocky fan that I know. I mean, like one of the first one of the first. I'm sorry, first- Joey's uncle, if you're listening to this, that I wasn't massively into. Oh gosh, oh I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, like you know, because like one of the first one of the first like theater experiences. One of the first things that we remember talk, seeing at the movies, at least, is Rocky. You know, came out, you know, you know when it came, seven, was it 76? 76, yeah. 76. Yeah. And, you know, I remember, like, going to my grandparents' house, and whenever when you go to his, his bedroom from when he was a kid, you see, like, the, the first three Rocky posters in his bedroom. I remember my uncle collecting the Rock. like, there were, like, these really nice Rocky figures. I remember seeing all the movies as a kid. I got to skip CCD to see Rocky Balboa. It was, um, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I've known Rocky a while. And I actually, I will say, outside of Rocky Five, it's one of the few movie series where I think I can enjoy just about every installment. I can't say that about Star Wars. I can't say that about the MCU. I certainly can't say that about the DCEU, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> also, again, sorry to Joey's uncle. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, listen, listen, he get, I mean, listen, listen, some of them are just bad. <laughs> no, it, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And he's, and listen, he'll be the first to admit, like, like, dude, I, I'll never forget when we were talking about Justice League. And he used to go on forever, like, and it's so bad. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, <laughs> I know. So, and but, he's also uh, the only person I'm happy for to see the, to see the Snyder cut come out is my uncle. That's the only person. <laughs> but I, I do want to see that. That's curious. good. That's good. Yeah. But beyond that, beyond that, I think we had some interesting. We had a weird, uh, weird cycle of pre-show topics. You know, we had Pixar. We had. Um, a gorilla scuddly pooping. We had Rocky Balboa, and now we're going to talk about kids dinosaurs in a movie. Yeah, we're just, you know what? we're just we're just going all dinosaur with this whole episode, and we're not talking about like Jurassic Park or we're back. None of that stuff. Nah, nah, nah. No, we're going. We're not. We're not talking about dinosaurs in the modern times. We're going back to their time, and. The very first movie we are talking about is, of course, the 1988 Don Bluth classic, The Land Before Time. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, my goodness. Land Before Time, though. I actually didn't know that it was 1988, surprisingly. Because like, I'm sure the same with you. Like I grew up with it, and I had the VHS, so I watched it all the time, and I never just thought, oh, wow, this came out before I was born. Yeah, I mean, it's actually it is kind of um, strange, and I remember this movie distinctly because, obviously, as we've said before, I'm a huge Disney person, mm-hmm. and I've grown up watching a lot of Disney movies. And this was one of the non-Disney movies, one one of the non-Disney children's movies that I remember watching as a kid. Yeah, it was it was it was actually like 
for me, like a nice mixture of all types of things. Like there was definitely a focus on Disney and that's, there's always been a focus on Disney for me, but I also like, like many kids, you know, I had Nickelodeon and I had like Cartoon Network, but, um, as far as like movies, it was typically Disney. Um, but every now and then I did watch a lot of different, uh, Don Bluth movies. So Land Before Time obviously was a big one. Um, actually American Tale, uh, Fievel Goes West. The sequel was one I watched a lot, as opposed to the first one, which is funny. Um, and uh, what was um, uh, Rockadoodle? Rock, uh, <laughs> that, that one we talked about that one uh, in the Atlantis episode. But that was one I watched a lot. Um, Chanticleer, Chanticleer, good stuff. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Elvis is a rooster. I love it. Uh, but I, I definitely watched a lot of those, um, not all of them, but a lot of those Don Bluth cartoons, but by far Land Before Time was the one I watched the most. Yeah. I mean, and also too, what I remember as a kid as well, and it, it are Land Before Time has 13, count them, 13 direct-to-video sequels. I haven't seen any of them. I remember seeing the first, like, maybe four or five and I remember there is a sing-along tape with the songs from uh, from the from the sequels because I don't think there's no singing really in the in this. There's no musical numbers. No, there's just like the at least in this one. There's the the what's it Diana Ross like song that she sings during the credits. That's like the, the pop song that you always got to have at the end of the James the James Horner score. You know, exactly. but, as as we've said on this show, if you don't have a pop song in your credits, you're not a movie. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) It's a rule. (laughs) But, I mean, it just goes to, like, this was, like, a very, and they were making sequels, like, until recently. You know, this was a very, like, lucrative, like, franchise. When was the last one? The last one. The last, I have the. Use the power of the internet. Uh, Oh, from 2016, Journey of the Brave. Were they the brave, the kids? I don't. I don't remember. You, you have you not seen it? You, I thought you dude, kept up ju- with this. Ju- I did not keep up with them, dude. The, my only, my only recollect. I don't say recollection, but the only like thing I know about the other sequels is I know was a Jenny Nicholson did like a ranking of all of the Land Before Time movies. There's that, but going beyond beyond that, I think one of one of my big takeaways, um, one of the big takeaways that you brought up with this movie is this is like. You know, everybody talks about Kimba the White Lion and Lion King. I'm gonna, we're going to bring up The Land Before Time and Lion King. <laughs> it was, listen, it was kind of, like, shocking. Because, like, here's the thing. We could have easily, I think a, a, another great double feature would be this and Lion King. But we have Lion King, spoiler alert, saved for another episode. So just stay tuned for that. Um, but it... I hadn't watched Land Before Time in so long, and I completely forgot. There's so many moments that mirror the Lion King. Like, it's not like Lion King in that it's like a Hamlet spin or anything like that. It's like Lion King in that it literally is about the circle of life, but with dinosaurs. There's literally a point when Pat Hingle, who's not just a narrator, but he plays a dinosaur, tells um, Littlefoot, the main character... That uh, because his mom died, it was part of the great circle of life. And there's literally a scene, and I totally forgot about this, but there's literally a scene where Littlefoot uh, talks to his mom in the clouds. 
Like his mom is a cloud. And it's like, wow. The similarities, man. <laughs> it's so wild. And 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 the the craziest it's just so crazy because like this movie came out what, like five, six years before the Lion Because Lion King came out in ninety four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it's funny, like someone's like everyone's always like, Oh, Lion King is just a ripoff of Kimbo. Well, I don't know how many people are actually saying that, but you know, Lion King is just a ripoff of Kimbo the White Lion. It's like and maybe it was very heavily inspired. I'm not going to say ripoff, but heavily inspired by the Land Before Time. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, the other thing with this movie too. Speaking of Disney, was like it competed with um, Oliver and Company, like directly. I think they came out on the same day. And what came out on top? Not the Disney movie. Land Before Time did. And he also got like because Don Bluth actually didn't he make. A couple Disney movies before he branched out on his own. Like he did the Rescuers, didn't he? He was in. He was like on the animation. He was definitely. He worked in the Disney animation um, uh, studios. Um, during like, I'm just. I'm, I'm looking at. Yeah, like he was an animator. You know, he wasn't. I don't think he was like the director. Like he worked on uh, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger Two. You know, as, he was an, as an animator, and he helped write the story for that one. In the animation department, he worked on stuff like Sleeping Beauty, Sword in the Stone, Robin Hood, and um, many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And he, yes, he did. Oh, I guess he is the directing. I guess directing animator, but he. I don't think he was the director of the movie. Okay, if that makes sense. Okay, like, for the rescuers. Sorry, this sense. is a, a, on the fly stuff. Oh, he was involved <laughs> with Pete's Dragon. I forgot about that. <laughs> Your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but no like it's just it's so crazy how like it makes me think of um again i hate bringing up tim burton a lot but it makes me think of tim burton but like in a in kind of a different way so like don bluth he works at disney maybe something happens i don't know the story so i'm not going to speculate but obviously he goes and branches off on his own and then beats disney at their own game and like tim on the other hand you know he was very much a disney animator but he got fired because they thought he was too creepy with his drawings and like the like the style the animation that he was doing just didn't fit the disney mold what does he do he works with paul rubens and warner brothers makes three hit movies and then disney's like Hey, so listen, <laughs> you know that Nightmare Before Christmas thing you were, you were like, like, you know, the thing that we just shelved that, you know, we thought was too creepy that we would never make? Do you want to make it? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of like that, but of course Don Blue's just like, you know what? I, I'm good. <laughs> I, 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 I got all these movies. I'm doing really well. And I'm glad that he was able to branch off because again, like his animation, like, like Disney were movies like we were just talking about that we grew up with. And he, the way he did things, like he clearly, like he had the kind of like maybe a somewhat of a Disney DNA and like the way, like he sort of did things, but ultimately like he did things very differently at the same time. Like we were, like we were talking about when we first watched the movie, how detailed, the dinosaurs were yeah and because like these are like chill like these are kids right in these movies yeah. these are chill dinosaur kids but the thing thing with them is that they're not as cute as you might remember them being they're kind of wrinkly they're very <laughs> very wrinkly and odd you love them for it but they're very oddly shaped 
You know, especially when you think of like a kids movie, you would think, okay, these things are gonna be like maybe rounded out a bit, may, may look cuter, and you know, sometimes like Littlefoot looks like he's ready to apply for like his social security <laughs> benefits. He's got his weekly pills. His AARP subscription just came in. Get off my lawn! <laughs> like, hey, you kids, get off my plateau. This is my plateau. Get off my valley! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what? He was still super cute when he was born, though. Like, that whole, like, opening bit when he, like, rolls out of the egg. He was just so adorable. They knew it because they repeated it at the end of the, the towards the end of the night. <laughs> it was like, it was, that whole end bit, too, was like a clip show at, the, like, the series finale of a sitcom. Just like, hey, remember that one time? And then he just, like, you relive that moment. Like, oh, you know, remember that one time? But also going off of, like, not, like, the, obviously the designs, they do have, like, a Disney inspiration. Especially with some of the backgrounds. Like, I was thinking about when you first, one of the instances where you see the tree star. And you see, like, the water, like, build up in it. I was like, it made me think a little bit of, like, Bambi in certain ways. Um, but also with this movie, too, like, a lot of, like, Disney film. Uh, not a lot of Disney film, but a lot of, like, infamous ones. A parent <laughs> dies. Yes. Yes. Um, that, that, oh, that was rough. And it's the mom. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, like, yeah, that's pretty similar. Not fun, maybe, but, like, this beautiful, like, somewhat emotionally driven, especially because of that James Horner music, you know. I miss James Horner. Yes. Uh, just that whole opening with like the kind of like the heavy violins and you know the 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 beautiful animation and just seeing Littlefoot born and seeing Sarah born, Ducky, uh, you know, seeing all our favorite characters, and then like it jumps a little bit and the and they're they're having that moment where they're learning about life and like trying to go to the Great Valley and you know typical like you know. <laughs> When uh, when my time comes, son, I will be in the stars with the other kings. Oh, wait, that's a different movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> now I'm just imagining Pat Hingle as Mufasa. <laughs> we need to find Batman. No, no, no but it's, <laughs> instead of like Mufasa coming in the sky, it's the bat signal. <laughs> you know what? I'm down. Let's make it happen. Don Bluth, you're doing more bat. You're doing more animated movies. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 yeah. So like we get this whole like great moment, and then of course, um, uh, Littlefoot and Sarah are two kind of rival characters. Uh, start like playing in this like bubbly like pond thing or whatever, and then and then a freaking sharp tooth comes up. And starts like ravaging, and uh, Littlefoot's mom gets in a massive battle. Like it's a pretty intense battle too. Like there's literally a point where you'll never see this in a Disney movie, but there's literally a point when uh, the Sharp Tooth rips off a, a chunk of her back. Yeah, like yeah. you. For I forgot how violent that was for like for being a kids movie. It, it's there's a lot of like these children go through a lot of peril, like. Like, the volcanoes, all the earthquakes, all the meat-eating dinosaurs they have to encounter, all of the betrayal they encounter. Like, you either have, you're either, like, Team Sarah or Team Littlefoot in which direction you're gonna go. It's like, man, this is, like, this is wild. And, these, and like, Spike, poor Spike. Okay, can we just talk about Spike? Spike okay, first off, first and foremost, Spike is the best character. 
He's the best character. He, like, Spike, like, is literally, like, born, like, what, halfway through the movie? <laughs> and he, he just wants he just wants to eat food. He comes out, and then there's all this drama, and he's probably like, what the hell is going on? He's just trying to chill and relax. Like, the man probably, he's, I don't know, he's either super high, or... <laughs> I mean, either... did you see those, did you see those oddly co- colored leaves he was eating? <laughs> I mean, we don't know if that, that was just, like, big grass or not. No, it could have easily been something else. And the whole time, he's just like... <laughs> just his eyes are heavy just <laughs> but no he's he's literally just trying to chill the whole time and anytime something bad happens like this is my favorite part too anytime something bad happens he just plops his head into the ground yes he's like yes. nope <laughs> i'm done with this <laughs> i think and uh, with with the character i think they're all memorable characters you know oh, they 100%. all are able to distinguish themselves like Sa- like sarah you know is obviously like a very stubborn character you know very very much like i don't want to call her the antagonist of the movie she's which seems she's, weird she's it's, a, she, like she's one of the characters like she has a lot she has a strong uh, probably because of her upbringing too she has a strong sense of pride and to show any kind of like fear or emotion for her character is not something to do. It just shows weakness in her eyes. Right. Mm-hmm. So clearly she's terrified. Like she's as terrified as, as the rest of the group, but she won't admit it. Like she's very mm-hmm. much, she's, I almost kind of feel bad for her. Like, you know, we were talking about when we were watching the movie, how like when we were younger, we both just kind of like hated Sarah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah. she's so annoying, but you watch it now. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I felt like kind of, super bad for like super sad for her because and i i didn't want to say super bad because sarah michael sarah made me think of that Uh, (laughs) i felt super sad for her because like you know she's clearly like terrified but she just can't find the true strength to open herself up and and not just be a part of the group but like you know admit that yes it is terrifying what they're going through you know, th- like, she was separated from her family. Littlefoot lost his mom and was separated from his family. They're all separated from their families. All they have is each other. And to see her kind of, like, approach it the way that she does, like, yeah, it's it's annoying and aggravating, but you, you feel genuine, like, pity or, like, sad for her because she can't open herself up that way. And you just hope that at some point she's able to do that. And then Littlefoot, you know, is, like, yeah, he he's probably the most standard character, but he's still a likable enough character. Mm-hmm. He he gets he gets angry, he gets frustrated. Um the, and the weirdest thing too as a kid, I thought Littlefoot was a girl. <laughs> I mean, it's funny cuz like the whole like he's got eyelashes and that like kind of like animation trope that like girls have eyelashes and boys don't, but yet in this movie, Littlefoot's got eyelashes but Sarah doesn't have eyelashes. So I mean, Don Bluth's just going, hey, it's like the whole Tweety Bird thing. Like, you know, for the longest time, I thought Tweety Bird was a girl. But no, Tweety Bird's a boy. Fun fact. It just, it just, it just shows us, you know. Um, it shows us, but also, just shows us how dumb we are, which is true. I do, I do want to mention Ducky. Ducky yes. is such, like, I feel like the movie gets, like, really rejuvenated once she enters the picture. She is the absolute like beam of optimism and excitement like 
yeah, she get, like she gets scared like everybody else, and she has and she goes through the same stuff everybody else does. But she has such a light in her, like you know, anytime she says "yep, yep, yep," like we were doing earlier, you just you you're like you get kind of excited. Like she's she she is a needed energy for a story like this that gets pretty intense at times. You know, and just just a br- brief a brief aside. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Judith Barcy. You know, um, she's really really so good so good in this movie mm-hmm. you know just yeah uh, i actually i actually didn't know that a whole about what about that and so it's it's definitely sad so yeah like yeah rest in peace and then okay my here's one of my issues it's we're talking about characters and he's it's amusing because i love impersonating this character but it also feels kind of wrong petrie okay petrie <laughs> is the only one of the dinosaurs that's voiced by an adult and he speaks like a toddler and it is just <laughs> so weird. Pete, me, Petrie. <laughs> you, you want to, you want to leave, Petrie? <laughs> it is, you know what? Especially in a in a situation because we're so used to like children being voiced by like older women or like older men. Like I we didn't we talk about this in an episode too? I don't you can tell I, I don't remember half the stuff we talk about sometimes. <laughs> but no, like it's it is always been kind of a weird thing that like the more we watch some of these older movies, how often like kids actually ended up voicing some of these characters. And so it does stand out in a weird way that one of the characters and you can kinda tell, honestly. Like there's no hiding it. I mean, the thing, it would be different if the rest of the kids were voiced, like, as you said, by, 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 by like, an adult, like, an older woman or something, and it was just like, okay, you can, yeah, it's kind of like when we talk about, like, with, like with Greece and, you know, people look like they're 35, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's, yeah, but I do like Petrie, though. I do like I, the character. I like Petrie. I, I love some of the animations with him where he just, like, floats down. I can fly! <laughs> like, oh, that's the best part when, like, they're trying to grab the leaves from that one tree, and he just, like, he's, like, falling, because he's like, I can't fly! And he just, like, <laughs> he just he just falls like a leaf, and then just boop. This movie is, is very short. It's not even 70 minutes. You know what? It's, like, that was kind of, like, I knew it was short, but it was kind of surprising just how, like, I don't know, compact it felt watching it. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, I, f- I didn't feel like I was truly missing that much. I mean, like when, when they when they have the final confrontation with like the the sharp tooth, you might you might argue that because I think there was some stuff that they they were like supposed to put at one point or mm-hmm. didn't or whatever. But I think it, it's able to get in everything it needs to. I feel like all the characters are very fleshed out and developed as yeah. far as our yeah, core yeah. cast. I think it I, I think it works out that it is a, a not even seventy minute movie. It's just like I think maybe it's because there was a point when it goes kind of shifts directly to the scene with Littlefoot and his and his mom in the clouds, like like it maybe there was a point at that instant where it just kind of felt like they were cramming some things. Because like you mm-hmm. said, I do completely agree that they they didn't really need much else. Like they they were able to tell the story they were able to tell. But I was just kind of surprised at watching it again again after all this time because I I don't remember the last time I watched Land Before Time. And just how kind of, you know, somewhat compact, but not in a, like, like a, they were rushing things kind of way, but like how, how tight maybe some things were, I guess. 
And, you know, I think also part of it, too, is when you're a kid and you see those kids going through all the trauma that they're going through and all of, like, the wild adventures they embark on in that movie, it might feel mm-hmm. more epic than what maybe the runtime actually suggests. Right. No, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I will say the one problem, and this is just, um, like, a, like, a technological issue, like, without a doubt, but... Universal, all right, listen to us when we say this to you. Don Bluth, whoever owns the rights of distribution, it's probably Universal, to this movie. Restore your Blu-ray, please, because this thing looked awful. <laughs> it looked like it has not been touched when they transferred it. My my Blu-ray, which is from 2019, looked like they had a DVD transfer and just put it on Blu-ray. And I, I, they, I get that they did that a lot when Blu-ray first came out because they wanted movies to be on that format. Like, okay, here you go. But you have to, especially for older movies, you have to put some kind of like cleanup on those in the transfer. Because if you don't, then the, that grain is going to stand out. And there's so many times we were watching this movie, the grain was so intense. It was kind of like... It just got in the way. It was really hard to like sit and enjoy the movie because the picture quality just it just irked me. There were like one or one, like two or three instances where it looked really nice, and I was like, okay, that looks more like what it probably should be. But yeah, I, I hope that Universal at some point considers you know doing a restoration job um, on this because look, this is a beloved movie. You know, for for kids of the of this time, like nineties kids, especially, you know, this was like a VHS like staple. You know, and considering it has so many sequels, it had a little like I think it had like an animated show, all the merchandising and stuff. Like Land Before Time, I think really deserves that kind of treatment. Honestly, it really does. And and admittedly, like I hope, like I feel like if I watch another Don Bluth movie that gets like a modern release i feel like i really hope i don't get that same experience like if i watch american tale or if i watch uh rockadoodle do or whatever the hell like i hope that when i watch it it looks a little bit better but i doubt it if if land before time isn't going to get that kind of attention then i don't know it was it was just really disappointing that was and i think that was the most disappointing thing with with the movie was something that's not even the movie's fault it's not even the movie's fault yeah but ultimately I think this is, I think it really held up. And I was actually very worried about rewatching Land Before Time. Yeah, no, same. It, it's, it, it actually, like, it, it still holds strong. Like, it's still, like, emotionally impactful. Like, during, like, admittedly, like, this would, this would affect me too. But, like, anytime, like, we had, like, the mom died thing, I would casually start singing the Rugrats, uh, you know, Par- Rugrats in Paris song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which it, it 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 definitely gets me emotionally as well. So, um, it the the whole movie is really like an experience ultimately, and um, it's it it get it's rough just but only in but it's only rough in the in like transferring to other formats and stuff. But it's still worth a watch if you get a second. Really is um really is some good stuff. Um, and I'm all which has me very excited to rewatch Secret of Nim, which is probably my favorite of the um the don bluth stuff so on that note on that note we're going to take a brief uh brief brief intermission into the great valley but when we come back we're going to go back back to the past not samurai jack but stay tuned 
Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we went to the land before time. Now, we're going to another area of prehistoric era, or at least what we could conceive is a prehistoric era. But if there's one truth about this place, it is a place of savagery. We are, of course, talking about Gendi... Gendi, pardon me. I keep messing that up. I do apologize. Gendi Tartakovsky's Primal. Ooh, chomp, chomp. Joey! Joey! Stop it. Don't do it again. Don't you dare. Don't you stop. You put, you stop it. You put your face away from that filter right now. Nah. Stop licking your nah, lips. man. I want to talk about Primal. I want to talk about Primal. Okay. Okay, as long as you're not going to... As long as you're not going to do it again. <laughs> Don't you do it again! <laughs> See, now I feel like I do... I, now I just do that to amuse you now, and it's fun. <laughs> it, it's it's the highlight when we record these episodes, when you get that that angry. <laughs> ah, what are you doing? But prim- I'm going to change it up every now and then. But primal. Primal. Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal. Tales of Savagery, which was um, both released as um, a television series, 10-episode television series, split up into five episodes. And uh, it was uh, released as a movie with four, the first four episodes. Yeah, it was, didn't they do that because they, want, cause they thought they could get some kind of Oscar recognition for it? They were trying to, like campaign for oscar noms. yes they were try- they were gonna put it for like an oscar run and try to submit it uh it did not get a nomination for best animated film uh but it was probably my favorite movie of 2019 honestly <laughs> i don't blame you it's it's very very good now here's the thing if you don't know anything about Gendy tartakovsky um this guy like more than likely if you grew up uh, it, it, the way that Joey and I did, you more than likely have encountered his work. I mean, Dexter's Laboratory, for one, was a show I grew up on, one of my favorite cartoon shows. He even was heavily involved with stuff like Powerpuff Girls and a lot of those kind of early Cartoon Network shows from the 90s and the early 2000s. Um, and of course, years later, much later, he would make movies that uh, were heavily influential for future generation of kids with the Hotel Transylvania series, which was very popular. I'm not a massive Adam Sandler fan, but it's one of the few Adam Sandler vehicles that I really like is the Hotel Transylvania, and a lot of it is because of Tartakovsky. But of course, I think the biggest show that you and I love that we grew up on, without a doubt, was Samurai Jack. Like, this show was, pardon, but it was the shit. Dude. It was the shit. Dude, it's still... It is still so good. I, I, and it's one of those, like, one of the, like, television shows sometimes I don't get, like, the Blu-rays for, because sometimes I, like, stream it or whatever. I have the mm. complete, you know, Samurai Jack Blu-ray set, you know. As do and, I. Because, like, the show is, is a work of art. Like, and you gotta figure, too, like, this was a show, like, the last season was put out for Adult Swim, but the first four seasons were on Cartoon Network, you know, Mm-hmm. And what they were able to get away with through, you know, some clever, some clever things and all that. And just the fact that it was a straight up action show, you know, for a lot of it. I mean, Aku was definitely just really funny. And there were some other really funny characters, but it was a pretty like serious show. Like, I'll never forget 
like my favorite episodes are the uh, the birth of evil like two-parter where we see Aku's origin and we see the entire village get decimated and Jack's father's like <laughs> no yeah oh my god dude I just did I ever tell you my Samurai Jack story like about the the yes stuff? you did but tell the audience please yes yes okay so real quick fun anecdote so way back when when Samurai Jack was first on television Cartoon Network they did this periodically like because obviously it's a kid's show they would have contests like I remember one where it was like if you won this Dexter's Laboratory contest you could have your room redecorated to look like a secret lab and like have stuff like that was kind of cool I did enter that I didn't win um but there was one contest that I entered, which was a Samurai Jack contest, and essentially your the first prize was a trip to Japan, right? First prize was you like f- like a couple of winners or one winner got to go to Japan and, and get a whole like j- Japanese experience, which would have been really really cool, I bet. Um, I though personally wanted to be one of the people that won the second grand prize, which was the entire first set of samurai jack action figures Mm -hmm. which you got like uh just the regular samurai jack you got like a battle damage samurai jack from the first uh episode or the first or second episode when he's got like when when they fight like the robotic beetle things the scarabs or whatever and i there was an aku which came in two pieces and then you connected them and he was super tall it was really really cool there was of course um one where he was in the space suit uh, from one of the episodes so like pretty much this entire like first line of samurai jack action figures and i thought that was super super freaking cool and i really wanted them and somehow because i don't ever have this kind of luck but somehow i won i was one of the people or at least the person that won the second grand prize wow and it was yeah it was totally it was kind of a surreal experience because again i'm not even now i'm not used to being like the winner Mm. uh in those kinds of situations as most people are i'm sure and so i wait i actually i feel like i didn't wait that long but i but it was kind of it took a second for them to actually send the toys and i remember it was this huge cardboard box it had my name on it i was so excited i opened it up it was this i think it was the same night that my sister either had like a cheerleading uh thing that she was doing or it was um because I, I, I know she was in choir as well, so it might have been one of those two things. Or I don't, I, I have to, I'd have to really remember like when it showed up to remember. To, but either way, it got there, and I opened it up. I was so excited. I was like, I was like, right when I got home from school, I had all the toys. They didn't last, unfortunately, because I played with them. I play, I, I wore the hell out of them, and I played with them a lot. The, uh, the swords always broke. The, the little um uh bun the top, the in his top, hair like, the, like the, the, the the top knot uh broke off a lot and then he looked like uh professor utonium from <laughs> from powerful girls um but there were still like it was still a really cool experience and I kind of miss those toys I wish I was like more because like now I'm like I'm looking at my wall right now which is covered in Star Wars black series figures in their boxes still I wish I had that mentality with those toys because I would have still had them to this day uh oh but speaking of Tartakovsky did you ever watch the Clone Wars micro series bits and pieces I watched the first few episodes but I didn't watch a lot of it admittedly but i i really liked what i watched 
for sure. I really like that show a lot. I own the D- the mo- I own them on DVD, and I hope against mm-hmm. I hope against hope that they put them out on Blu-ray or put them on Disney Plus someday. I know they were like a Cartoon Network thing, but man, it would be so cool um, to see those in high definition. Clone Wars, the original, like the one that we you know know the Dave Filoni one was on Cartoon Network. So there's like I'm just saying just saying it's possible. It's possible. So make it happen, world. Uh, Forces of the universe. Yeah, let's let's make it happen. Try to will that to happen. But anyway, Primal. Let's talk about Primal. So this was obviously this was released after season five of Samurai Jack came out to pretty much mostly mm-hmm. like critical acclaim, you know for its 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 dark you know its darker tone and obviously being an adult swim they could get away with you know showing off other things and samurai jack mm-hmm. contemplating things that w- however old you were when you watched samurai jack for the first time you never would have thought samurai jack would have contemplated which speaking of which 2017 was like the year where our like favorite heroes were contemplating a lot like you had <laughs> Luke Skywalker in the last jedi uh Wolverine you know of course in Logan and uh, Samurai, mm-hmm. Samurai Jack was was just like, oh no, I don't know if I should go on. And oh man, that was that was rough seeing that. But Primal, and you know what? Yeah. You know what? You know what? I'm sorry. I just like uh, I, I'm pretty sure too. Like that, uh, Jan- Gandhi was probably like super stoked uh, to like really like go into Samurai Jack as much as he did for that last season and Primal. Because, like, yeah, he he did the Hotel Transylvania series, and he did really good with that. But, like, the last time he did, like, a 2D animated show was Symbionic Titan. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of tell that he kind of wanted to go a little bit further with some of it. Um, possibly, but he didn't. Because, like, though there were definitely times, like, you watch the show and you're like, yeah, this isn't for kids. Because there's, there's a lot of, like, very, like, teen-centric kind of, like, material in it. But... He really got to like open himself up a lot more with those last few episodes. But I do like Symbionic Titan a lot, and it's on Netflix, and you should watch it. It's a very good show. But he, re- I feel like I was really excited, uh, especially with Primal, because he was really able to just go for it. Not that he really needed to with like Samurai Jack, but with Primal, you kind of need it to be that intense as far as like with violence and like what you could show. So I was really, I was really happy that he got to just go crazy. No, absolutely, but also, too, with Samurai Jack, because that was going to be the last season, he had sort of have, like, a predetermined ending. With this, you know, it was a, it was a you know, clean slate, if you will. There was all mm-hmm. the expectation we had was, okay, it's on Adult Swim. We know the guy who made Samurai Jack made it, so let's, it's got dinosaurs. Let, let's see how this, um, how this turns out. And, oh, <laughs> how does it turn out? Dude, too. Goodness me. I mean, as I said, it was my favorite movie of 2019 and also my favorite show of 2019. That's <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. Oh, man. No, I still I, will, I still need to finish it, if I'm being honest. The show version of it. Because I've been watching uh, the, the rest of the show on HBO Max. But l- at least last I checked, they don't have the rest of the episodes. A- a- HBO Max. I know you're already, like, making a lot of weird decisions in regards to other things you're distributing, but it, you could you could easily just throw those on there. Just do it. Please. I'm asking nicely. And put it on Blu-ray, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, but no, I just remember w- watching the first episode and watching our 
the first part of the of this movie really um they don't they don't play around it is savage it is primal the first shot is so it's 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 kind of a great introduction because you have our main character spear who's like the caveman dude like the prehistoric guy and he's literally just sitting there fishing but how does he fish he like jabs the fish but it's like very clean and yeah there's blood it's very gory and then uh he's literally just patiently sitting there about to stab another fish and then out of nowhere this giant crocodile shows up and then you see primal and they're like what (laughs) (laughs) this is insane and it just gets crazier from there yeah i mean one of the other things i like about this show is for the for this um for this series you have two characters who they, they don't they don't speak you don't you don't hear like any characters like speak english or, or anything like that you just hear like grunts and roars and just tyler bates music um you know i think uh aaron laplante i think does like the the voice the voice work for um for spear if i'm not mistaken okay um so shout out to shout out to aaron um and with this show, like, like as we were talking about, I think we were alluding to this. It's kind of, kind of makes you think of like a silent movie because there is no, there are, there is no like dialogue per se. It's all just storytelling with the image, and it, it's it's really there. It can lead to a lot of like great like sadness, like with the 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 segment with the woolly mammoths as they're grieving for their lost um their lost comrade, or just like. The facial expressions on Fang, the the dinosaur, his the dinosaur companion, when she looks at something and she's just is just doesn't know how to take something, her eyes are just wide and she just stares at it. Or like when she's trying to climb up the cliff in the one episode, and she just <laughs> she just knows it's not gonna work, and she's like, oh man, she just slides down. Yeah, that's the best <laughs> one. Like like every other time, she just falls on her back sadly, and then just like, yeah, like. <laughs> She's like, damn it. <laughs> I'm still down here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. No. You know what I actually loved probably the most is just how crazy, like I was saying, like how crazy it gets as far as just like the world itself of this show. Mm-hmm. Because when you watch the first episode, you can just assume, yeah, they're a bunch of like kind of somewhat exaggerated but fun dinosaurs. But then, like out of nowhere, you get giant snakes. You get giant bat creatures oh a freaking spider thing which i hate i hate it but it's there like all these different types of creatures and my even like some of the later episodes that i've seen past the movie like all the different types of creatures that exist in this world like it's it's true like it is primal it is like kind of a prehistoric thing but it feels like more than that like like it's a whole new world in a way it's like a like a weird like hell's hellscape, you know, because you have those like like carnotaurs or like ceratosaur, whatever whatever that dinosaur was. It looks like a, like the freaking devil, and whenever it bites down on something, <laughs> and you just see the silhouette of it, and but you see the bright red just coming down from its mouth. Oh, oh my god! The whole opening scene when poor Spear had to watch his family be devoured by that thing and just see, yeah, oh my goodness. 
oh, the show. It's so funny because we watched Land Before Time and it like emotionally gets you because like all the sad stuff happens. But then this show like has, oh, there's so much in it. <laughs> just, oh my God. And it doesn't like, and it doesn't let up. It really doesn't. No. Like there are, there are like quiet moments, but they're like moments of contemplation really. Yeah. Like, like there, there, there's like, you know, you like might have like a flashback scene where, you know, you know, Spear is, you know, thinking about his family or just like, like I said, like some of the stuff with the woolly mammoths, you know, there's a lot of like, just, just moments of, you know, just kind of grieving and, you know, just thinking about what has happened. And actually that mammoth episode makes me think of Samurai Jack because there was an episode of Samurai Jack where there was this robot where the story is told from the perspective of a robot who's supposed to kill Samurai Jack. And yeah. you gain a lot of a lot of sympathy for that character, but you know that character is doomed because the he's not the hero of the series. Jack is so it's kind of you know in a different way like you have the mammoth and you just feel so bad for this this mammoth who's clearly that mammoth's best days are gone but you know it's gotta because of how savage the world is and that you know listen prime uh, what's his uh, spear and fang they gotta eat mm -hmm. you know that's that's again that's the true nature of the show like the word savage like yeah primal's a great title but the word savage I think is also a great description because the world is hostile that they live in like spear and fang have to kill to survive you know there's not really like a sense of sport to it you know it's just a matter of like there's even that really sad moment when um spear is having that flashback like you were talking about where he and his kid kill that like weird like prehistoric looking deer thing and like the sun stares at the eye like the open eye of the of the dead deer and it's just it's it's kind of like there's no sense of, like any like if if they had no respect obviously there would probably be a point where they like punch the eye or something but you know they like they mourn the dead like thank you like they basically say thank you for feeding our family but also we're sorry that we had to do this kind of thing like it's that that sense of like emotional uh connection and as well as like sorrow for having to do what you do but you do it because if you don't you die and that's just nature of the world they live in sadly and here's the other thing too like land before time has characters that have an end goal like they're they got to get to the great valley and get to their family right both of these mm -hmm. both of our characters spear and fang their families are gone their families are gone they're like as far as like the movie and you know i'm curious to see what season two brings about but there's no real end game for them they're just surviving no. to the next day they're just making sure they're not dead. That's that's exactly what it feels like. To each each episode feels like a whole new day that they're having to experience. Like in this, not in this movie, but there's literally an entire episode after, literally after the last episode of this movie, where they uh, like they finally it seems like find some kind of oasis to just relax. So like like Spear goes swimming and Fang just relaxes in the sun, like like you see like a dog do uh warm summer day like just sitting in the sunlight just just relaxing chilling like it's just so peaceful but then of course we know what show we're watching <laughs> and out of nowhere this freaking like giant ape thing like just this absolutely savage ape thing like inducts fang as like a like an opponent in like a ring or something 
And it's just like this crazy stuff. And then the whole bat episode is insane. You know what the sad thing with that episode is? Is that I think it's the best episode of the whole series of all all of the episodes, even the ones that are not in the movie. But mm-hmm. I probably won't be able to show it to my girlfriend because of the freaking spider. It's oh, listen, Allison, you don't want to see this. Like I, I, I obviously you don't need me telling you that, but. You really do not want to see that spider. Like, that episode... Like, here's the other thing, too, with that episode, is I feel like, in some ways, the last episode of what season... Like, the first half of season one was, would have been an appropriate conclusion to the first movie, but I feel like it leads you with the wrong impression of what happens with these characters Mm -hmm. as well. Not to get into too much, but I also like that this episode is the one that ends it because a it's the best one and b it's just like wall-to-wall action from them running away from raptors like in the long grass or whatever to seeing giant red bats and seeing like weird golem with green eyes and huge fangs and and seeing like like, these golem looking dudes uh try to live <laughs> and then the giant spider of course <laughs> now oh my god i didn't even i didn't even think of that too so now every time i see that episode i'm just gonna be like smeagol just trying to get away from the bat creatures <laughs> smeagol don't want to mess with the bat creatures stupid fat hobbitses don't want to that's a bit for the precious so like are we just gonna say are we just gonna, we're just gonna say now that um andy circus if they ever do a live action primal which i hope they don't do but if they ever do a live action but if they did if they did andy circus as spear let's go i mean boom just andy circus is all the characters really just like a one-man show you could do it too oh my god can you uh, i'm just imagining andy andy circus as a giant spider just like it's <laughs> <laughs> just the arms oh my god you, you if you could see that what i just did i'm so I'm, i was entertained <laughs> been like what? that's all you need to know i was entertained that's by fair. it I, I appreciate that but that episode's great <laughs> was it like the, the the blood of the red moon or whatever it's i, I forget what that's one's called something like that yeah like um it's like the whole the whole episode is like these like these golem looking dudes like you were saying like are trying to get um like some kind of sustenance you know some kind of food or something to live but they keep getting snatched by by bats and it's not just that the bats are eating them it's the bats are taking them to the spider to eat them like it's almost like these this, the bats are like lackeys for the spider or something they have a real a, a mutually beneficial relationship maybe that's what i hope <laughs> maybe not I hope it's not romantic though, because that'd just be weird. That, and I wouldn't put it past the show. Oh gosh, man! Don't don't give <laughs> Gendy any ideas for season two. I want to at least Listen show this show to my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's gonna put another spider in there somewhere. So I mean, I'm just I'm just saying, if you want to up the level, because <laughs> I will say, like in a non-joking way, like one of the crazy things that about animation is how far you can really go in animation simply because it's hand-drawn, like, pictures versus, like... Like, I feel like a lot of this show, if it was live-action, wouldn't be near as intense as it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because 
this this show gets violent and yeah they like they mask some of the violence here and there but it's very rare when they do that there's so much blood there's so much gore there's so much intensity and it really like it, it really just shows like everything about the show like the, the the level of violence the the just the imagery everything about it it just shows how strong animation is as a medium because we were talking about this too like when you think about most animated shows especially ones made for an adult audience it's typically like this like sort of simply drawn sitcom style like family guys simpsons what have you and you very rarely see like a super detailed highly like crafted animated piece made for adults because I don't know why, honestly. I wish there was more of that. I'm not saying every. I'm not saying everything needs to be for adults, you know, versus kids. But if they did, I would like it not to always be like crude, simple, simply drawn, you know, adult sitcoms. I'm just saying. I think also to just like this is a very much a niche audience kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, like and and things like The Simpsons or Family Guy, it it appeals to a wide audience and that's also not to dunk on those shows either because at their best the strength is not necessarily in like the excessively detailed animation it's the gags Mm. and some of the and the writing because there's some really great simpsons episodes and family guy episodes where the the writing the writing is at the heart of the show and not to say writing is at the heart of this show oh but like this show is like just a visual masterpiece and their adult swim was able to like all right, you can just do this You here. And, and, like, the other thing with those shows, too, you have to understand is that they got to put out an episode a week. You know, they, they have a lot yeah. of, like, um, a lot of work they have to do. I guess I guess what I'm saying is, because there's a bit of a devil's advocate thing, my, my point is that animation as a medium is can be something truly masterful. And, and because it is kind of same-same, we are, like, yeah, again broad broad audience we're getting a lot of you know they get a lot of good attention and obviously to this day people will watch simpsons and family guy clips and all that stuff and there's a lot of great shows i'm not i don't want to downplay the quality of those shows point is i feel like more could be done if animation was treated the same way any other like storytelling visual medium is treated for sure for sure, absolutely. Because there's there's a lot of great stuff that you can do, and and I'm not even just saying from like a, a violence or like I'm just talking like a storytelling standpoint. Like I feel like if you like I was saying if you did this in live action, it, I don't know if I would have liked it all that much because you probably wouldn't have been able to do a lot that you can do with the animation stuff. Like it is perfectly tailored for that medium. It is. I was thinking about it. Like I think about superhero movies sometimes where like. There are some things where I know Robert Downey Jr. can't take that kind of hit in an Iron Man suit. And it just, it's it doesn't, like, ruin the movie, but it is in the back of my head when I watch these things. Like, I know Tom Holland can't flip around and do these things, but when I watch an animated thing, I'm not thinking about what actor and whatnot. I'm thinking, I know Spider-Man can web-sling through New York, or I know uh, Spear and Fang can take down this giant you know this giant spider or these giant bats yes you, you know what i mean you're, you're thinking more about the characters in a weird way than you are when you watch a live action movie and you see like the actors you see like you know some guy like like you see robert downey jr i keep bringing up marvel but like or you see henry cavill when he's lifting up i think about that shot in bvs when he's lifting up the spaceship and they spend 
hundreds, they spend so much money on this stuff, and I'm not saying it looks bad per se, but it, there's, there's a, you know, there's like a, you need to have like a, some semblance of like a suspension of disbelief, I guess, you know, and when I see stuff like that in a live action thing, it, I don't want to say takes me out, but I'm aware of what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you hear actors in those movies talk about all the time, like, like Michael Keaton, when he was doing Batman Returns, talking about how, like, you know, there's a moment while you're making this movie where you kind of leave your own body and you're like, you look at Danny DeVito in his like fat suit with his fake nose. And you look at Michelle Pfeiffer having to literally be like, ziplocked and like 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 airtight sealed in a in a cat suit and then michael keaton just standing there in a bat suit and you can't help but like go this is really ridiculous this is like that's so uncomfortable but it's just again it's it's what they do for the for their for their art and for their jobs and and uh so i i appreciate them absolutely wholeheartedly for 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 doing something like that but you can't help but like look at something like that and go wow this is super weird (laughs) <laughs> but again it's just like you were saying i do agree that it just brings a kind of level of awareness versus like if it was animation i just again i just i really would love to see more animation like kit for kids for adults whatever like stuff like could be like like early samurai jack or even like primal that take that animation medium and this is something i think Gendy tartakovsky does so beautifully just taking that that medium of animation and just using it like beautifully just like really going for it um and like making a real legit story without having to be like okay this is 110 percent for children or 110 percent for adults mm-hmm. and so I, I i i guess what again i just would love to see more of that yeah going with these movies we pick these two things because dinosaurs everybody like kids love dinosaurs and yeah we're, we're you know we love dinosaurs and it, it, these neither one of these are Jurassic Park or King Kong or the usual mm-hmm. rogues gallery of dinosaur movies when you talk about dinosaur movies, which is more often than not just Jurassic Park and its sequels. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't really talk. It's weird. When you brought that up earlier, I was like, you know, yeah. I never really thought about that. I like when because like I grew up with dinosaurs, you know, I love dinosaurs, but a lot of that came from Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's it's kind of crazy, but I definitely love and but Land Before Time was definitely a big one as well. So yeah, <laughs> but it is interesting. It is kind of weird. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but with with both of those both of those movies, like sorry, I lost my train of thought. But with these two movies, you know, tell two very like very different stories in two very different styles of animation, mm-hmm. but but it almost has the kind of same level of emotional impact just again animation more tailored for adults versus animation more tailored for children but it is all about the story and the characters and the focus on that and the experience that each of these characters go through whether it's you know trying to find the great valley and get back to your family or literally to just survive yeah and it's just again like, like the power of animation is infinite and beautiful and i love it you could certainly do a lot with animation folks what are some of your favorite animated movies some of your favorite like just dinosaur things in general please let us know any dinosaur thing any dinosaur thing 
Anyway, folks, that's about it for Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And a special shout-out to the savages that are John and Kenny Armstrong for making such epic and intense music for this week's episode. And a hint for next week's double feature, we have two films that are guilty pleasures for our two dudes, one about sesame cakes and the other about Jim Carrey. Stay tuned next week.